This is episode number 162 of Patrick Jones Baseball. I hope everyone is doing well, staying safe, staying healthy. I'm really optimistic that we're going to have baseball at some point this summer. Um, I love Cincinnati, but I can't wait to get back to uh, Sarasota and get working with the guys again. This is going to be a really cool episode. If you're someone who is interested in learning about you know, junior college baseball, what are the benefits of junior college baseball? Is it going to be something that maybe you should explore, have your son or player explore? Um, this is going to be a great episode for you. We have Marty Smith on, and he just wrapped up his 25th year as head baseball coach at College of Central Florida this year. Um, he's had a ton of success at the junior college level. And one of the really cool things that he talks about is actually how for so many years, he would just do the same thing over and over again as a coach. And in these last few years, he's really kind of obtained a, a growth mindset and it really started to change and adapt with the, the times. And he gets into, you know, how he actually is adapting and what he's doing differently now versus before. It's pretty cool. It's pretty inspiring. We also get into like how how do how do you get recruited? Like once you are at a junior college, what are the ways to go about it? Um, do you have to rely on your coach or is there certain showcases that you go to? So this is a great episode for someone who is interested potentially in going the JUCO route or just someone who wants to learn about coaching at the junior college level and what it's all about. So really cool stuff. Please make sure to subscribe uh, to the podcast for future episodes on player and coach development. For anyone who's been listening for a while now, you guys know and girls know that you know, we do a little bit of everything, hitting, pitching, defense, infield, outfield. So we do it all here. We're all about developing and have that growth mindset. Um, so if you're interested in that, make sure to subscribe. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, here is Marty Smith. All right. We now welcome on Marty Smith. Uh, Marty, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So uh, obviously it's a little different now not being able to go to the ballpark every day and work with your guys. How have you adjusted to your new uh, lifestyle? Not very well. My wife <laughs> likes it. I've gotten some stuff done around the house. Seriously, I, I, I've i been over to the field one time. The, the college really doesn't want anyone over there unless it's really essential. So I haven't been over there and, and uh, just kind of fiddling around the house and cooking a little bit more and getting some stuff done around the house. And man, you want to turn on the TV and go, well, at least I can watch some baseball. No, or watch some golf Sunday or no. And just really weird. It's, it's a weird time. It's something that that'll make us all a little bit tougher. I would think, <laughs> yeah. I hope. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And same, same thought process here for those listening. Um, Maybe you could give a little bit of background on on your own career and kind of just how you got to be where you're at. Um, played high school for a great high school coach in Jacksonville, Florida, Howard May. Just a really big influence on everything I've done through the years. Got to see him last week when we played up in Jacksonville. Junior college, played right here where I'm coaching, College of Central Florida Community College. Went on to St. Thomas University at that time in NAI. I'm sorry, at that time it was a D2. Now they're in NAI. Got to play for Paul Maneri. That was his first gig coaching in college. So I played for Paul for two years. Uh, went on to work for his dad at Miami-Dade North. Uh, kind of a story, big-time historical program down in Miami that Paul's dad, Doc, Demi Maneri, ran. I uh, was there for two years. Pretty neat. Had Mike Piazza on that team. 
had no idea he was going to turn out to, to be a Hall of Fame catcher when we had him as a probably second team all conference first baseman. From there, I uh, went to Jacksonville, back to Jacksonville, Florida State College at Jacksonville, worked for Howard Roy, a Hall of Famer, just a tremendous coach in Jacksonville. We won the state in that year in 90. And then I came back here uh, to Ocala to be the assistant 91 through 94 here at the College of Central Florida in Ocala. And I took over the program in 95 and have been here since. So uh, about four or five programs, got some great learned some great knowledge from four or five coaches along the way that were what I would deem now completely different coaches, but all good in their own way. They kind of helped me develop into, I guess, who I am today, being able to look at things a couple different ways. What was it like, uh, or I guess, how was Mike Piazza uh, back then? Like you said, you never would have thought he would have turned out to be a Hall of Famer. Was he just uh, just a good, solid player. I mean, like, was there anything that stu- well, stood out? I, I guess I emphasize catcher there. You wouldn't think he'd be a Hall of Fame catcher because he played first base for us. So, you know, same size he is now, just kind of going through that. I, I wouldn't say thin, but dead pull hitter, played at Miami his freshman year, redshirted, came over to Miami, hit uh, fourth, probably line up. Probably had, I, I know we had three or four players that were a lot better than he was. A couple, two or three that were drafted ahead of him. And he was, he was, just, he was a good player. He was a great kid, hard worker, uh, Deadpool. You know, looking at him at that time as a first baseman, you'd say, uh, I don't see this guy as a Hall of Famer, but put that guy behind the plate and then he figures out how to hit the ball the opposite way and get a little stronger. I mean, shoot, it's a Hall of Fame career. So, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't terrible. Believe me, he was really good. But we had two or three guys in that lineup and on that team that were better than he was, that I'm pretty sure he'll tell you that. But you just wouldn't think, you know, that he goes behind the plate maybe the next year and probably the first year he's ever caught. I think he went to Dominican just to learn how to catch and then uh, worked his way up as a serviceable catcher and a tremendous power hitter to to be a Hall of Famer, which is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely ought to. Definitely a good story of perseverance. So this is your 25th year at the College of Central Florida. Have you ever thought about going anywhere else, or you just love like where you're at right now? Yeah, people ask that, and probably no. I really haven't even thought about it. I think the next year level for me would be a, a Division II level. When I was younger and actually could think about that, would be the Division II level, which maybe has – some that are under underfunded maybe have five to 10 scholarships or don't have the budget that we do at a state school, don't have the facilities that we do. I just feel like it'd be a different job for me to, yeah, you're moving up a level. I don't know if the pay is any different. I don't know if the, uh, you know, I know the scholarships are less. I know what we get budget wise and facility wise, our facilities are nicer than a lot of the, the division two programs. So, I mean, I don't know. It just wasn't ever a, a, a real thought. I love this level, played at this level, played at the school. I raised my kids here. So no, I mean, even besides those other things, man, this is pretty good level. I mean, you, you got kids for two years and sometimes it's, it's not long enough. Many times it's not long enough. And then there's times when it's too long. So I couldn't, you know, for four years, you're, you're, I, I don't know, man. I just like this. The, the Juco level is good. And, I, and I'm so glad that I've stayed here for a long time. Yeah, what is it about the uh, the junior college level, would you say, that is so appealing? I would say more so now than maybe like 15, 20 years ago. 
I don't know. I know there's a lot of hungry coaches down here that, that either want to get into pro ball or want to get into the, to the top 25 division one as an assistant coach to really make some money, I guess. So they're hungry and they're, and they're zest for, for knowledge or zest to just to learn new things and move up. I don't know. I guess, I don't know if there's more junior college programs than anything else around the country. I know there's a bunch in California a bunch in outside of California, but I don't know. I can't answer that question besides the old Juco bandit term that, that you hear that, that guys are just hungry and they're they're They want to prove something, you know, they got turned down by the, by the D ones. And that's the, obviously the term you hear through high school, is he going to sign D one, which um, chaps me a little bit from high school kids as a sophomore or junior that, that don't even consider junior college until it's time to, uh, you know, everything else has fallen through the cracks and now I have to go Juco. But then there's those, those guys that hopefully they get hungry and they're just, it's, the, the grind begins in junior college. So I guess as coaches and as players, you know, it's just a grind and they're, I don't know, a little bit more hungry, a little bit more uh, pissed off. I, I don't know what the term <laughs> is, but uh, I really don't know. And maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's not even true. Maybe the, the, I'm sure there's just as many hungry guys in division three and division two. And I guess in division one, but you just, I guess you, it stands out a little bit more from all these Juco coaches going into professional baseball and division three coaches going in that have just, you know, put stuff out that have made themselves the coach that professional teams are looking for now. Do you find it hard uh, being at the junior college level and, it, and most of those guys are only there for two years to kind of get them to not just think about themselves and their own career because they are only there for one or two years and maybe for a lot of them like especially because they are kids they're gonna their first thought is well i need to produce right now and get out of here so they're not necessarily bought in to everything that you're doing no and especially not lately i mean kids have bought into what we're doing they're happy that they're here shoot they want to stay here even after they leave here i would say i would say more back in the day yeah it would it would maybe but no, in general, I think they're here and they're where their feet are. As far as I know, maybe I'm completely wrong. And they all, every time they take the field, wish they were playing at a big SEC stadium with a, you know 5,000 people in the in the stands. But I don't know. I, I don't think it's it's hard to to keep them. You know, their mindset of where they are is is the best place they can be. Because we've and we we've had a really good culture the last few years and. We've won a lot of games and kids like playing here. So I haven't really seen a whole lot of that. You know, they get a little antsy at the end of their, maybe at the end of their sophomore year. If we're going to the playoffs, certainly they don't. But if if there's a year or two that we're out of it, they start thinking about, oh no, what am I going to do next? If they are uncommitted or unsigned. So maybe there's a little bit of that there. I think they're pretty much in. If it is, I don't see it, Patrick. I just don't see it. Oh, that's definitely good. That's definitely a testament to kind of everything that you've built down at College of, of Central Florida and just the, like you said, the culture. I was I had a Steve Deniman on, um, who's at Sinclair Community College, and he talked a little bit about kind of how they do their uh, they have like a scout day essentially, and they do help guys with their college recruiting process. Is there a, a good way to go about getting recruited at the junior college level, or is it just you got to wait for the colleges to come to you? We do have a scout day in September. It's like three weeks after they get here. 
probably a month, I guess, after they get here. And it's, you know, we've had all 30 teams here. We've had, I guess, in 10 to 20 college on average. And that kind of gets them, gets their, their name out there to begin with. So we get them in front of people early and scouts are such a, at talking to four-year guys, you'd be amazed how many times I've, there hasn't been a four-year guy here, obviously before March 1st, but, uh, we get calls the next day or that night after a game because a scout saw them because a scout saw them and, and uh, recommended them, recommended them to a, a four-year school. And we get a call that night. So a lot of that is through pro scouts. Other than that, you know, we kind of talked to our kids at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, what are your dream schools? What is your next list of schools? And somewhere in between them, we hope that they're realistic enough to, to choose places that they can go and not just outreach a little bit, but we contact those schools and say, Hey, look, this guy has an interest. Uh, if you can march first, if you haven't seen him in the fall and you know, this kid has interest in you and here's what he can do. So we just, you know, we, we put the ball in their court. I'm never going to oversell a kid. I'm going to try not to undersell a kid. I'm just going to try to be honest through the, through the years so that my integrity doesn't put me to where all oh, this, you know, the university of whoever's never going to recruit a kid from college of central Florida anymore because coach Smith lied to me about this kid. I'm never going to do that. It's always going to be on the undersell side for that reason. So, I mean, kids will tell us what their dream school is. And then sometimes it works out many times it doesn't, but you know, we try to get them to a place where they're going to go play. We don't want them just to go somewhere because that's their dream school. And there's a couple guys ahead of them and they can't play ever. So I love for my guys to go on and and keep playing and being on the field. And I don't like to send them somewhere where maybe they can't go and they don't compete for a job and have to sit for a couple of years after being on the field for, you know, a hundred games in junior college. Yeah, def- definitely agree. I mean, uh, sitting on the bench anywhere is no fun, uh, no matter what, what what school you're at or what league you're in. When you guys are are looking to put together uh, your own roster at College of Central Florida, how do you go about recruiting for your own team? Obviously, we see a lot of guys the summer before. We're not big at, at recruiting juniors until that maybe fall of their their junior year, the, the very end, right before they become seniors maybe or just as they're becoming seniors in august we don't reach out there too far if a kid's going to commit to a junior college as a junior i don't know i'm guessing there's a uh, there's a it's a relative or a friend of a friend or something like that i I don't know otherwise i think that kid i don't know not that junior college is so much lower than d1 but if 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 the kid thinks he's a a really good player i guess he's going to hold on and wait for that that offer but anyways we see them in the fall. We see them in, in the summer tournaments through the uh, summer. And we depend on scouting a lot, professional scouting from guys that go out to see the dude, dude, that's going to be a top 10 rounder. And on that team, he, uh, you know, I saw a shortstop while I was there and, and Marty's looking for a shortstop and I'll shoot Marty a text or a call and, and let him know I saw this guy today. And from there, it's, it's kind of, Hey, this guy tomorrow, or you need to see him. Or, you know, I just saw him for a little bit and I'm not sure about any off the field stuff or anything like that. So there's somewhere in between of their recommendation to me on how good the guy is. They know, you know, what kind of what we're looking for. Anyways, scouting wise, we get out and see guys in the summer and in the fall. It's really hard to get out and see people in the spring. 
uh, with our schedule. And as much as we play, we can see local guys, guys within, you know, we sit here between Jacksonville, Orlando and Tampa. So we're about two hours, hour and a half from each of those. So we can maybe get to one of those on maybe a Tuesday or Thursday night when we're not playing on a Tuesday or Thursday, because otherwise we play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so we get out and see them in person a little bit in the spring. We see them a lot in the summer, in the fall. And I've been here so long that, that we have a pretty good network of, uh, of coaches throughout this state and, and into others that kind of know what we look for and, and, and know the level that we play at and the kind of guy that, that we are looking for. So I depend on a, a network of, of high school coaches and high school travel coaches and and pro scout. So from those three, it's a, it's a pretty good blend of, of how they recommend players to us. Yeah, it definitely sounds like players. you've uh, kind of planted those seeds and just from your reputation and the success you've had able to get some good players just from, like you said, kind of just having that network. Um, once they get on campus, like what would a typical fall look like? We're at the beginning of the, the semester, we, we have about a two week period between when they get here around August the 15th, say, and then between Labor Day that we kind of get them in the groove and study hall. We do some very light on your own optional type, you know, hitting ground balls where the field's open, kind of get them to, to meet each other and be around each other. The first two or three days are always, you know, getting physicals in and getting paperwork in and, and doing things like that. We will do some some body movement type stuff to see where they are. We'll get in the weight room, get some baseline stuff. And it's kind of a two-week. It's We, we want to make it kind of a, a comfortable, no-pressure type two-week to get off to a good start and just to get to know everybody and might be a sit-down to one-on-one with coaches from tell me about family and girlfriends and what do you enjoy and what do you do and things like that just to kind of get to know those guys because you see them you might have met them once or twice you see them on on the field some guys i i, I never see out of a uniform until maybe uh, we go and do a signing ceremony with them or something like that i never seen them without a hat on so there's a getting to know you a couple weeks there in the fall after that We'll start kind of our regular practice schedule and kind of ramp up for, for scout day. Obviously, they're not going to be 100%, 100% for scout day. Pitchers, we try to emphasize that they, they come in pretty good shape because our scout day every year falls around September the 15th. We're one of the, the earlier ones in the rotation of the scouts that go to all the junior colleges and colleges around here. We're one of the earlier ones, but we do get a really good turnout because of it. We don't conflict with anyone else. So we try to ramp up and get them ready for that scout day. After that, it's just Monday through Friday. We're, we're playing either an inter-squad game or against another, another team, uh, usually a junior college or someone in the area. We do play some, some, uh, high school, some travel scout teams that are, that are pretty good to, uh, and it's great. Those are great for us. We see them on our field against us, against good competition. And, uh, we do that and, finish up the fall with a, with the all-star game here for the junior college level that works out every, every sophomore in the state, whether they make the all-star team or whether they go to a sophomore showcase, we do that. And then uh, finish up around November the 15th, we're off the field. Then we get in the classroom and do some, some study hall. And obviously we're in the weight room every day, three or four times a week for everybody. 
we are uh, finishing up finals, making some cuts at the end of the fall, uh, which are always tough and no fun, and send them home around December the 15th. That sophomore showcase is pretty neat because it's that kind of is another kind of goal for everybody to, to be ready to go by then. And, and uh, again, 400 plus scouts and coaches, usually wow. in Lakeland, Florida in Lakeland, Florida to see every junior college sophomore in the state of Florida. It's a great, they have, I know they've had three or 400 sign in the last probably 10 years or so. And that's all levels, division one, two, three, and AI to see our guys. That's where Nate Pearson really blew up our, our first rounder from a couple of years ago. He hit a hundred at that showcase at the sophomore showcase. He couldn't play in the high school in the all-star game because he was a transfer we don't put the transfers in the all-star game. So at least our conference doesn't. And uh, Nate was, you know, just throwing down in a pen in front of, like I said, a bunch of guys. He was touched a hundred and then boom, throughout the season, kept building on that and became a first rounder there in, in June of 2017. For the next few weeks, AxBat is being kind enough to give all listeners of Patrick Jones Baseball 25% off their AxBat speed trainers. So if you're someone who wants to continue to develop during, during this time, wants to increase your bat speed, um, have a more efficient swing, please make sure to head over to axbat.com, type in code PJB25, and you're going to receive 25% off. So this deal is only going to last for a few more weeks, so make sure to take advantage right now. Wow, yeah, and I think anytime you hit 100 miles an hour at the college level, uh, you're definitely going to get some get some attention. Going back to the fall, like, are your practices designed a certain way? Like, are there certain drills that no matter what, like you guys are going to be doing um, every day or every week? Uh, we used to, man, it, it's changed. Our, our training economy has definitely changed. Just the, the way we practice. I mean, it used to be kind of that individual D. Team D, BP, and way too much, I, in my opinion, now, rundowns, first and third D, bunt D, way too much of that. And obviously, when we look back at seasons and we did them, you know, we did them 25 to 40 times working on them. And then you look back at the season. We were, uh, when the season ended this year, we were 21 and seven. So we played 28 games. And I don't remember a rundown that we had. <laughs> I don't remember a rundown. So that has all changed into a lot more ground balls and defense and, and fly balls and defense and receiving and, and bullpens and a little bit of PFPs too. And hitting a lot of hitting, a lot of hitting, a lot of hitting. That's all changed. Whereas we used to have a two and a half hour practice where there was way too much rundowns and bunties and, and uh, first and third situations. I don't think we had a first and third play in the 28 games that we had this year either. So it's where a team tried to do something. Obviously, there were first and third situations, but no, nothing where a team tried to do something tricky or whatever. So, I mean, I, I just looked at that uh, three or four years ago and said, okay, this has to change. And there's a lot more hitting specific stuff and cage work and Setting up machines obviously takes time and setting up the field and, and uh, hitting in the cages and some different stuff that we do that takes a little bit more time now. You know, it's not a block practice. It's not a, you know, there are days that, w that we do some of that stuff, but it's a lot, lot less than, than we used to do. And it's more 
what do we do a lot of? Let's practice what we do a lot of. We know we get a lot of ground balls. We know we get a lot of fly balls. We know we throw a lot of pitches. We know we we take a lot of swings, and that's what's important, and that's what it's kind of gone to. Uh, and my players from 15 years ago are probably think I've lost my mind. <laughs> How long is a typical practice? Two and a half hours, and I'd say 30 minutes of that is is 40 minutes of that is a is a stretching and an active stretch and, and throwing. So I'd say an hour and 45 minutes, what you would call practice, whether it be individual defense, maybe a little bit of team defense once or twice a week, and then BP on the field in the cages. Would you say your background's more like on the hitting side or pitching side? Neither. Neither. Honestly, neither. Neither. Man, I, I have never specifically been a hitting coach chimed in and I love what, what my assistants are doing. And I've been a, for the most part, a hands-off man, you, what you're doing is working. So you do what you're doing. And I've been lucky the last few years to really have some good hitting coaches, obviously, because there's a bunch of them in pro ball, but on the pitching side, I know just enough to, uh, to leave it to my pitching coaches. And, and I'm on the peripheral, the hitting and the pitching side. I was a shortstop say i if i had a specialty it would it would probably be on the on the defensive side but the hitting and pitching is a lot more important these days it's obviously important but i I wouldn't say either my answer to that question is i'd say i'd say neither and i'm smart enough to leave it up to my assistants that that do really really good stuff and i allow them to do it and we buy the stuff to uh, allow them to do it. And if they tell me they need something, we figure out a way to get it to make our hitters and pitchers better. Well, I guess that makes you a perfect head coach since you're neither just a hitting or a pitching <laughs> guy. You can do both. <laughs> you're, you're right. And, and I, I don't say, I say that from a humble point of smart enough to, to have good assistants that, that are, uh, that, that are good guys that are really, really good people and really, really good coaches. And I guess I've been smart enough to, to kind of weed through um, what I need to weed through to, to find good coaches and how the new normal for us is to have a coach for a year and send them to pro ball. I think there's been five now in Jeez. the last 16 months, which, you know, I'd rather have a heck of a good coach for one year than a, than a, not a bad coach for three years, but, a, but a guy who's not as good as these guys are that I've had for three years. So. The last one I got, the one that's with me right now, it's fantastic. He got me walking off the stage at the Expo Center in Nashville and just hit me up and said, hey, I want to talk to you about your job because I announced while, while I was talking that, that um, kind of what we do in our program. And it was it was the drive one in Expo Center. We all had eight to 12 minutes to talk about kind of our situation. So he hit me coming off the stage and we talked to about four or five guys at the convention. And uh, he he knocked her socks off and came down and has done a tremendous job. And he said, I'm going to lose him to pro ball too. But it's just, it's kind of, it's really, really good for our players. I'll tell you that. Well, obviously that's good recruiting by you just from a coaching standpoint. What would you say in like an interview process, like when, when you are interviewing a coach, what has stood out about those guys who have gone on to professional baseball or who are, just, who are, I guess I should just say, who have done a really good job for you at your program? Is there anything different that stood out during the interview process with them versus everybody else? Probably the, the fact that they're just open-minded and trying new stuff 
and I'm not talking about crazy new stuff. I'm just talking about new stuff that they can, that are proved that is the quantitative point of this is why I'm doing it. This is the guy, this guy we had this time opened, he brought his laptop with him, opened it up and showed him what he showed us what he's been working on. And, you know, let me know about mistakes you've made and let me know about what you're, you're trying to figure out something new or, you know, why this works with this guy. I, I don't know. It's not, and obviously there's a lot of, you know, the conversation is important too, to see if they're really a good guy and they can communicate with us and with players and even recruits, you know, to talk to. So I don't know what has stood out basically is that they've just been open-minded to, to new stuff. And we don't hear a lot of the old stuff and it's old stuff is important. Believe me, we all know that, but I like to hear something that, you know, something maybe they're working on or maybe some a paper that they've they've written or are working on or, you know, a blog that they're writing and, and that they're into it, man. They're into it. They want to learn. They want to get better. Just just show me they want to learn. And I and I, I don't mind at all on a, on an email or a text or whatever the, of a kid saying, I don't know it all and I love what you guys are doing and I want to learn what you guys are doing. Instead of, you know, kind of a, I definitely know this or, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, I want a guy that's learning. I want a guy that has an open mind. It's, it's growth mindset all the way and wants to become a better coach while he's here, whether it be one year, five years or a semester. Yeah, I, I definitely can agree with that. Um, I think, I think it also just helps you out as a coach too. If you have that growth mindset, I mean, you're never going to be bored, right? If you just do the same thing over and over again and, and not trying to continue to learn, I think you might, you're probably going to get burned out a little bit. I was, I was that guy, man, for 15 or 20 years, for 15 or 20 years, I was that guy, eh, 12 to 15 years. I was just, we were doing the same old crap and it was boring and we were very average guy man i was that guy i'm 54 now but probably right around the late 40s is when i got some coaches that, that changed my mind that opened my eyes to things that, that i needed desperately one of them was the biggest one was zach bove who's now a coordinator of special projects with the minnesota twins on the pitching side just unbelievable that what he did on the on the learning side and on the growth mindset side of, of our program in baseball in general well, that's awesome to hear. Um, you know, really appreciate you saying that. How you know, even someone who's who's been coaching for that long of a period, like took it, you know, in yourself and took a step back and and realized that you know, hey, like I need to change because that's not easy to do when you've been doing something for such a long period of time. I, I see guys that do it and that are, have done it as long as I can that have, and they have no interest whatsoever. In, in anything besides what they've done for years. And I guess that helps us, but I don't like to see it on for his players. It, it kind of, and I'm not, I don't mean to talk down about anybody, but, but it's just, you feel for the player sometimes, especially if you know the player and you recruited the player. And um, I, I don't know, man, it just rejuvenated me and, and what I go to the park field for every day to get kids better and develop them and make them even stronger and get them a lot better than they were when they got here. We're just, I'm not proud of what we did for a long time as far as getting players better. And from the day they stepped on this campus as a freshman to the day they left as a sophomore, I can't sit here and tell you, man, we did a lot to get those guys better. We, we, you know, we threw a lot of comfy BP and we, we didn't develop players. We didn't get them better. And, and that, 
that hurts, but now we are, and, and I feel a lot better. But we're just scratching the surface on, on uh, I think what we can do as a baseball community to get to get guys better and, and develop players more. Love to that. get them, you know, all of them want to play in the big leagues. All of them want to play in the SEC, ACC school, and they all can't do that. But you can do what you can try to to get them as good as they can. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. From a like a, a head coaching standpoint, right? Your job is to. Well, I guess I shouldn't tell you how to do your job, but I'm just thinking as an outsider. Usually, as a head coach, you, know, you want to get your guys ready to play each day. And since you know baseball is a game where you you play a lot of games, sometimes you not a lot of times you got to motivate your guys to continue to play at a high level. Would you agree with that? And then if you do, is there any like tactics that you that you do use to like get your guys up? Or if you see someone who's kind of like struggling that day, like like picking that player up so they are able to contribute as well? Well, I, I think the biggest motivation for these guys in junior college, man, 26 man roster here in Florida. I think in junior college, the biggest motivator is, is get yourself on the field. This year we had 26 man roster. I think we had 13 pitchers in which 14 pitchers in which a couple were dual guys and same thing on the other side, 14 hitters in which a couple were dual guys. So nine guys, you know, eight guys are going to start defensively. The biggest motivation, man, is, is get on is is to be on the field, and it, it's I mean, it whether you you wanted to play or not, you play about twenty games pre-conference. You figure out, you know, what guys can do, and a lot of people get at bats, and a lot of people, you know, get their chances, and then you know, once that conference season starts for us, it's early March. By then, you you kind of know. You have a, you hope you have a, a roster that's 14 deep that can hit, but you end up probably having, you know, hopefully eight or nine or 10 that, you know, there's one or two guys on the bench every day that deserve to be in the starting lineup. So the motivation is just to get on the field. The guy that's having the tough time, I didn't used to be like this, but it's usually pretty positive coming from me and what you got to do to, to get on the field. And, we really, really want guys to to come in the office. If you have an issue, come in and talk to us, and we'll we'll tell you. And you'll you'll know. You'll agree with us. I'm pretty sure of why. Maybe you're not playing this week or whatever. And either it's somebody's doing a lot better than you, or you're just not getting it done. One or the other. But I think the biggest motivation is just being on the field. There's not a. I mean, we can rah rah them up all we want in the Tommy Lasorda fashion and, and Doc Maneri at, at Miami Dade North, Paul's dad and, and Paul's way, they're motivators. They challenge you and they, and they, they try to motivate you and get you fired up for that at bat. And I saw it work many, many, many times. I'm probably not, I wouldn't call myself a motivator. I'd call myself a, I, I want our guys to take the field with as kind of an even keel as possible. I don't want them to be too fired up. It's not football. And, and uh, I do want them to be relaxed and, and uh, ready to go. And there's kids that play at different levels. I got two or three guys on the team right now that run through a wall and play middle linebacker. And they play baseball really, really hard and fired up, and it works for them. So you just let kids do what they want to do as far as that goes. But motivation-wise, I mean, besides just the motivation to, to gain the respect of your teammates, at the end of the day, man, is your teammate going to look at you and, today at the end of the day or in 10 years when he runs into you at the grocery store and is he going to say you know what that guy busted his butt every day and he got after it and he busted his butt today 
and look yourself in the mirror and go home and say, Hey man, what did my teammates think of me? Did, did, did I work hard today? Did I, did I let down the team today with the way I played or performed or practiced or whatever? So I don't know. Besides, besides peer pressure, motivation, getting on the field, I'm not a big motivator or a guy. So as far as motivation goes, the motivation to get on the field should be enough for our players. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm not a big, big, uh, like you said, raw, raw guy, either motivation, but I was just, just kind of curious during the actual game or do you coach third base? Or are you in the dugout? I did till about three years ago and the ball, I was at a magnet on me. I got drilled like three times. I was 51 years old. And I said, man, no way I'm out of here. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it was time. It was time. John Koenigfeld, I have what I consider the best assistant coach in the world. He's been with me probably six years now. Uh, played for me. Um, just a great per. He could have been, he could have gone into professional baseball, just like my other four or five guys. But John took over at third base, does a fantastic, fantastic job. I do get signals from the bench, but he coaches third base. And so I'm on the bench. How often do you give, and, and uh, it's fun. give signs? And it's from fun. The bench. It's, bench coach is a good job, man. I want a bench coach job somewhere when I retire. It's a fun job. It's a fun job. How often do you give signs from the bench? Not much. No. Not much. No. We swing. We don't run a whole lot. We don't bunt a whole lot at all. We don't. We hadn't run a little bit this year. But, I mean, obviously, I'll give deep signs. Live signs, not many. Not many. Marty, is there is there anything else you'd like to kind of just say about just whether advice to coaches or players or recruiting or anything else um, at this time? Not really. Not really. Just uh, get those kids in the weight room, get them stronger. Have your kids, if, if you're a high school, whether you're a high school or junior college coach, have your high school guys go out and watch a junior college game, go out and watch a four-year game, watch a Division One game, and look at the level and, and with an open mind and say, what do I got to do to get on that field? And most of the time, it's going to be strength. Do I have the strength to compete with these guys? These guys are hitting a long way. Go see BP. These guys are hitting a long way. My high school BP doesn't look like that. Um, junior college guys, we can go up to Florida. They're 30 minutes up the road. And you want to see good baseball. As you see every weekend, go see Florida play whoever comes into town because it's going to be tough. I don't care who it is in the SEC. If you win two out of three games that weekend, your team's pretty good. So junior college guy, go, play, go to a four-year school and watch the game at the level, look at the velocity, look at the ball coming off the bat, BP, look at the size and strength of those guys. And, and don't fool yourself, man. Get yourself in the weight room and eat. Yeah, another, again, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, my players are saying, what is Marty talking about, man? And, and now I know how important it is and what a difference maker it is to, to if you want to play at the best levels, if you want to play at the highest levels. And now, now it's me, my son and Zach are with the twins. And I go down to Fort Myers and watch uh, on the minor league side. I'll go watch double A AA and triple A guys hit. I got to do that about a month ago, uh, maybe four or five weeks ago before the shutdown. And my son is the double A coach and he coach in Pensacola for the twins. And, He's down on a field with double A AA and triple A guys. And on, on the other field are the big leaguers. And you got Josh Donaldson and Nelson Cruz and those guys playing, literally playing pepper with the center field with the, the batter's eye. Just don't, you could hear it all day. And then over on the double A side, same thing, same thing. And, and my guys need to see that. And college guys need to see that and go, whew, man, I got work to do. 
I got work to do. These guys are doing this with wood. One of the fields was into the wind and they don't even look like they're swinging. Everything is working perfectly. So go out and watch games, lift cards and, and it's, Love the game and respect the game. Play it hard all the time. And have a lot of fun playing. And game's going to kick your butt. You better be able to handle some failure on the mound in the box. As a team, you better be ready to come back. I told my team this year we were twenty-one-seven. I said good teams don't lose two in a row. It's pretty cool. We never did. We had to battle our butts off a couple times for that. And I thought we had a chance, just like everybody did, that shut it down this year. That that everybody was going to win their their national championship. But it was a lot of fun, and while we were there, we had a blast doing it. And uh, This game kicks your butt, and sometimes we never expect it to end right in the middle of the season like it did this year, but now we're going to figure out you know, how mentally tough we are and how tough we are, and can we work, can we get some work done as a player to get better with a big shutdown and people saying you can't get on the field and you can't get in the weight room and other things, so there's going to be some makeup time somewhere. But I don't know. Have fun. This game's been really good to me, and I've been lucky to do it for as many years as I've done it in a great place here in Ocala, Florida, you know, it's just been, it's been a blast, but a big part of that is just being around good kids and good coaches for 30 years. That's awesome. That's, that's great advice right there. And speaking of, of motivation, um, kind of what you said, your eyes aren't going to lie. So those kids going to watch those, uh, professional players or, or D one or whatever it may be, like that's a great source of, of motivation as well. Marty, really appreciate you taking the time and, and coming on and just sharing your knowledge. Um, you know, you've been in this game for, for so long and have a lot of experience. So just really appreciate you sharing that with everyone. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for uh, doing what you do, man. And uh, always trying to get the game better. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Make sure to go subscribe on iTunes so you can stay up to date on the latest trends and techniques being taught in player development. Until next week, hope everyone stays safe.